Everyone, I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I want to talk about change. Do you resist change or embrace it? If you could change something about yourself or your current situation, what would it be? Maybe you want to lose some weight, save more money, spend more time with friends who lift your spirits, become a better parent or partner. Or get a new job that allows you to find more joy in your work. We all have broad ideas of how life could be better, but it's hard to change old habits and stick with new goals. Today, I'm talking about what makes change easier. Now, I'm told the first step is to change our mindset and pick realistic and inspiring goals, and then it's all about staying motivated. So, as I talk with two guests this hour, I want to hear from you. Have you made an intentional change in your life? What motivated it? And And what made it easier for you to stick with your goal? Or maybe you're someone like me who has found change to be very hard. <laughs> Tell us about it. The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000. You can also call 800-242-2828 or tweet me. I'm at Angela Davis NPR. Let's bring in our guests. We have with us today Ayelet Fishbach. Ayelet is a professor of behavioral science and marketing at the University of Chicago Booth School of business. She does research on motivation and decision-making and is the author of Get It Done, Surprising Lessons from the Science of Motivation. Good morning, I yell it, and welcome back to the show. Good morning. Happy to be here again. And we also have with us Cherie Crow. Cherie is a wellness coach. Last summer, she became the director of the Integrative Health and Wellbeing Coaching Program at the University of Minnesota's Earl E. Bakken Center for Spirituality and Healing. She also runs her own business, Wellness Coaching Elevated. Cherie, so glad you could be with us today as well. Good morning. Happy to be here. So, you know, when I think about change, the first thing that comes to mind is actually fear of change. And so I yell it, I'll, I'll start with you. Have you found that, that many people are just naturally resistant to change because it makes them uncomfortable? Yes, change is uh, scary. The, the status quo is, is uh, really where we, we feel comfortable. So uh, any change uh, can, uh, you know, the, the initial response might be, what you're describing, uh, resistance. Uh, uh, But then when you ask people what they want to change, oh, they have a whole list. (laughs) And and Cherie, what about you? Do you think change just instinctively makes people uncomfortable? Yeah, I think it's human nature to want to live in status quo. But we all know that across the lifespan, we've got to change constantly. Mm-hmm. And Cherie, we know that the new year is a time when many people think about changes that they want to make in their lives. Um, is there something about the calendar year turning over that makes it easier to think about a fresh start uh, in some area of your life? Uh, or is this something that we can really do anytime? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of people kind of poo-poo New Year's resolutions. It's kind of the end thing to do because you always hear the statistic, well, 
what, by March, no one's at the gym anymore kind of thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we know through research, specifically um, Katie Milkman's research, um, How to Change, her book is fabulous on this topic. She really describes how fresh starts are the are the perfect time to initiate change because it gives you a new perspective. And with that new perspective can come change. So you say a lot of people, you know, they just they don't want to talk about New Year's resolutions because the word is, is they, they, that people don't stick with them. So what typically throws people off course after they set a goal, Cherie? Yeah, my take on this is that um, oftentimes behavior change fails not because of the behaviors. It's because of the mindset, what you said at the beginning. So what's what's the problem with that? Are, are the goals too big? No, I, I honestly think it's it's a little bit deeper than even the goals being too big. It's overcoming uh, limiting beliefs, overcoming uh, negative self-talk, things of that nature. Mm, tell me more about negative self-talk. What does that yeah. sound like? Sure. So um, the best, uh, the most common phrase I hear frequently uh, being in a university is I'm not a math person. You hold this belief your entire life about yourself when, in fact, it's not true, right? We can learn to do anything. Mm, but how do you overcome something like that? Yeah, it's building your self-efficacy. And that means, uh, obviously, skill building, right? But also, hopefully, talk, you have someone to talk through the, that negative mindset and harness that skill of awareness when it's happening mm. to stop it in its tracks. And what makes people successful at change that you found, Cherie? Yeah, I think um, it's weird saying this because my whole world is behavior change, but I think um, putting more emphasis on the mindset change is key. And Ayelet, you've done research on New Year's resolutions. Uh, That must have been fun. What sets apart the resolutions that people stick with over time compared to the ones that that, uh, people fail to keep? Well, the the short answer is that these are intrinsically motivating uh, resolutions, but let me explain. Uh, These are resolutions that are immediately rewarding, that are in a way fun to to pursue. These are the, uh, the resolutions that doing it is an end in itself. Now, this may seem confusing because no one sets a resolution to watch more TV in 2023. Right? <laughs> I've kind of thought about it. <laughs> but, yeah, right. So, the, so, so your resolutions are, are usually the things that you are dreading. You are not super excited to do that. But if you found a way that makes it nice to do it, that is immediately rewarding, you have a better chance. And that often means finding the the right activity, the right means, uh, designing your environment in a way that makes it more fun, that makes it a a better activity for you. Uh, We found, we have thousands of data points. We found that the most common resolutions are around health. Mm -hmm. So people want to eat better. they, They want to exercise. The person that is going to do it by next November is the person that found some workout regimen that they are excited about or the, the healthy food that really uh, uh, gets them excited, that they want to try, that they want to learn about. So you gotta, you have to throw in something that is, is, is joyful about it. Tell me more about, you said, the, the environment. How do you change the environment so that you can more successfully achieve your goal? In order to achieve your goals, really, the, the key is to change the environment, uh, it's not about changing the self. Okay, changing the self is is, is really very hard, and 
Um, when we look at what predicts success is, is often the circumstances, is, uh, is the circumstances and also uh, to refer to what Cherie mentioned is how you think about these uh, circumstances. And so who are the people in your life that are helping you? Uh, how realistic is, uh, is your goal? How well it fits with your other goals? Uh, all these are, are things that are about your surrounding, about the context in which you are doing it. Uh, to give you a concrete example, well, we, we know that when people are hungry, they are going to eat what's in front of them. So right. how easy it is for you to put the good food in front of you? Mm-hmm. Okay? Is your family on board with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, are, are you doing your shopping uh, uh, in bulk? Okay. So you're, you're buying your, your groceries for the entire week and you can, they know when, when you think in advance, you can make sure that you uh, have there what you, you want to eat. Okay. Basically, how do you change your environment? It's very trivial when you, you set an alarm clock, right? Like you, you know that you're not going to sleep when there is loud noise. And so you, Right. You're changing your environment, right? You're not telling yourself, oh, I really should get up in the morning. Just like, You're making yourself. Do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so uh, just get get the right food there. Uh, get the uh, the workout that's easy, that is nearby, that, uh, that, that is just uh, with a person that uh, you like and, and so on. Just, just make things easy and fun and they will happen. Let's take oh my some- gosh. Oh, go ahead, so Sherry. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I was I'll- just going to say, I just did this myself. So this is great. I, I love With the it. environment uh, with food? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we always teach environment is the mm-hmm. invisible hand. It's the part you don't mm. see that's actually controlling your behavior. Mm-hmm. And I love frozen Cokes. And I don't know if you all know, but McDonald's got frozen Cokes. What is that? Is frozen past- Cokes? Like a shake? Like a it's icy? It's like a icy. Yeah, a Coke. And okay. McDonald's has them now. And so I was so tempted all the time driving home from work. I passed <laughs> McDonald's every time. Uh-huh. So all I did is I just took a different route. And Ooh. I probably drank five less a week. <laughs> so. You change the environment. So if you don't see it, you're not yeah. tempted by it. Yeah. All right. I wish you well with that. That's good. <laughs> I want to take some phone calls. We're talking about change, resisting change, embracing change, and, and achieving goals that you set that are important to you. So I want to hear from you as we talk with two guests. Have you made an intentional change in your life? What motivated it? What made it easier for you to stick with your goal? Or maybe you some are someone who has found change to be hard. What changes would you like to make in your life this year? Tell us your stories. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800 800- Two four two twenty eight twenty eight, and let's take some phone calls now. In Waconia, we have Paula on the phone. Good morning, Paula, and what do you want to share with us? Good morning. Um, I I have had a goal for a while now of building an emergency fund, um, and I I am one of those people who is a spender, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if I if I have the money, it's really hard for me to hold on to it, and so um, I went through a divorce a few years ago and really kind of hit me that I really need to have an emergency fund um, because anything can happen. And so um, one of the ways that I did it, because I knew if I could see the money, I would be spending it. And so I actually set up um, like a high yield savings account um, at a bank that like it doesn't have any brick and mortar locations. Like I can't go to it and I can't take out the money like easily. And Mm -hmm. I did a savings account so I can't have a debit card and I can't have checks with it. And anything like that. And then I don't have it linked like to anything. And I don't even have it linked to my main banking account. So if I, when I have needed some funds, you know, some things have come up and I've taken a little bit of money out 
Um, but it, it takes a few days because I have to do like Zelle or something like that, you know, where I, it's not an automatic, I have the cash right now. And so it really makes me think like, oh, like, do I want to take it out of here? Do I need to use this? It slows it's down been, the whole process. You have to give it some real thought, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, this is a good one, Paula. Uh, the pandemic has really, you know, shown all of us the importance of having savings and building savings. Mm-hmm. And, and so have you had success? Is there money in there now? There, you- it, there is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I've been very pleased with it. And I, and I started small, you know, I took about 10% of each of my paychecks and I just set it up as an allotment. So it's automatic. And I don't even have the chance to like, be like, Oh, no, okay. I'm not going to transfer it this time. It just automatically goes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been building for a few years now. And I've got, I've got a nice little cushion in there. I'd like it to get bigger, but um, we definitely have. Um, you did it. I, Almost that three-month buffer that that they say you need. So I'm I'm very proud of it. That's impressive. That's Paula in Waconia. Thank you. What do you hear in that story, Cherie? A lot of people have this goal. They want to save more money. Yeah, that's one of the first questions I ask. If Depending on the behavior change, is there a way to automate it without even thinking, right? Just put it on that automation path. And that's exactly what she did. And just could you hear like how proud she was? Yeah, yeah. That is so amazing. Because saving money is not easy. Right. And so the lesson learned in what she did, they stepped, she, she made it, she put it out of sight, made it difficult to actually access it, which slowed down the whole process of trying to, to get to it. She had to really think about it. Is it worth moving this money? Uh, is that a strategy that works? Yes. And she did the strategy of out of sight, out of mind. Right. Right. She doesn't even really, on a day-to-day basis, even remember that money's there mm-hmm. to even go use it. Right. And uh, I yell at, what advice do you have for people who are trying to save money? This is an important goal, but uh, there's limited access to money, but they've got to, to find a way to do it. Yeah, the, the second most common goal when we look at New Year's resolutions is uh, uh, getting control over your finance. So mm-hmm. uh, a few things here. What I really like uh, uh, about our caller is that she she thought about this in um it's something that you want to do in, in approach terms, okay? N- not something that you want to avoid. Okay? It's not avoiding spending, is uh, is approaching saving. And it might be a small difference, but it's actually a big one when it gets to, to pursuing goals and getting excited about it. It's much easier to do something uh, than to try to avoid it. So, so that was wonderful, along with that, uh, making this automatic, uh, using defaults, kind of the no, the, the behavioral economics uh, advice that uh, she's following. Uh, what else can we do to, to save more money? Uh, well, we can think about our purchases in, in bulk. Okay? We can uh, learn in advance. Uh, that helps. Okay? That uh, uh, makes it easier. Uh, we can give advice to other people on how to save only in order to remind ourselves that we can do that. And in one of the, the studies that uh, we have recently published with Lauren Eskris Winkler and Angela Duckworth, we found that people that were struggling with their finance, when we asked them to give advice to another person who is struggling, they were more motivated by their own advice. Okay? So uh, in, in a way, I'm, I'm not doing good service for myself now, but I'm saying instead of listening to my advice, 
just give yourself the advice on how to save and you'll find it motivating. Take your own advice. Uh, so, so yes, you did this research uh, on the power of giving other people advice about making changes. Um, and this is something I find myself saying to myself a lot. I should take my own advice. Uh, so tell us more about the study, uh, because I think it, it, part of the study involved middle school students, right? What you learned about the power of giving advice. Yes, yeah, we started with students. We started with uh, students giving advice to other students on basically how to study, how to do your homework, how to uh, to stay on top of it. And uh, we were kind of amazed by how motivated they were by their own advice. And then we tested with people that were struggling with their finance, with uh, getting a job. So they gave advice to other people on how to find employment. Uh, we studied people that were... Uh, trying to control the weight. We also had a population of people that told us that they are too angry and they are trying to to control this uh, Mm -hmm. negative emotion. And across these different domains, what we found is that giving advice really helped the person that was giving the advice. Now, this is not to say that you should always rely on your own (laughs) advice. (laughs) Sometimes uh, that... the problems are too big. Sometimes you just don't know, okay, like mm-hmm. medical advice. Okay? Go see a doctor, okay? You might not have knowledge. Uh, but it's a good place to start. And uh, when you're struggling with, with something for a long time, you're actually getting a lot of information as, as you cope with uh, the struggle. The best example for this, I, I think, is people that are struggling with their weight, uh, and when we asked them to give advice, their response was often like, well, what do I know? Okay, like, I mean, I, I, I have failed. And we insisted. And we thought, well, if you have failed, then you have probably learned really good lessons along the way. And you know what? When you insist, you get really good advice from them. It's not only motivated for them. It's just really good materials. And I have in my notes here, Ayelet, in that study, the middle school students that you were looking at, that when they gave advice to younger students, um, that they actually benefited and that you found that they spent more time on their homework, that they actually became better students. Yes, yes, that's the effect. Okay, the effect is on the person who gave the advice. Okay, you are giving advice to motivate yourself, mm. okay? which means that you don't even need to have the audience there. You can just do the exercise of what would I tell another person? What mm-hmm. would I tell another student or another grown-up or another person uh, that is struggling with the same thing in order to remind yourself that you have learned from struggling with a problem? Let's take another phone call as we talk about embracing change, resisting change, the strategies that work in helping us uh, achieve goals. In St. Paul, we've got Benny on the phone. Hey, Benny, what did you want to share with us? Hey, how you doing? Well. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a good subject. Uh, I just want to go, my New Year's resolution is to uh, spend time with my grandkids, more of my kids, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we get, as we get older, you know, the way people just passing away, you never know, you know what I mean? So you want to be a you better know, grandparent? Yeah, be a better grandparent. You what, know, what does that look like um, to you, Benny? What does that mean? Is it more time or just better quality in the time that you well, spend? Well, it's about you know uh, just going to see them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taking them places so they can get to know their grandparents. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. uh, some of the kids might move away or might live another place, and you can't see your grandkids. You know what I mean? So you know, and and you know, you just want to. And let them know that there's they have grandparents out here. And so what and, uh, what has been the difficulty in the past? Is it like just finding past, well, activities to do know, with the, them? Like I said, the kids might move away to another yeah. state, 
Mm-hmm. They may move to a, a suburb somewhere, you know, and then, you know, you know, uh, you know, with these kids that's growing up now, the kids might get taken in, into the system. You so, know, so Benny, you, you want know, to be more intentional. Uh, the change you're looking for is like being intentional and really making this a priority to spend more time with them. Yeah, you know, grandkids coming out looking like you. <laughs> like, man, what's going on? All right, you know, unfortunately, I'm riding around in the snow, pulling people out of the snow. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there waiting because someone needed to get poured out. It's like everywhere, you know what I mean? So I just wanted to shout out to you. It's my first time getting through. I listen to you every day, 365 days a year. <laughs> thank okay. you, Benny. So uh, I want to ask so, our guest. Thank you, Benny. Uh, he wants to change uh, his priorities and spend more time and be a better grandparent. What do you think about that, uh, Sharif? Yeah, one thing I always ask individuals when they're wanting to add something into your life, for example, spending more time with their grandkids, what's something you're going to take away then so you have that more time? Otherwise, we tend to just add, add, add and get so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about you, um, Ayelet? One of the changes that a lot of people are thinking about is, is a change in a relationship. They would want they want relationships to be more fulfilling or to give relationships more time. I love uh, Sherry's advice because that that would be my uh, first uh, uh, go to like how that fits with everything else that you uh, want to do in your life. And so when I think of behavioral change, I think about setting a goal, monitoring progress, making sure that this goal fits with your other goals and getting social support, doing it with other people. Here's a person that wants to be in touch with with other people. And the first thing to wonder is like what what's uh, What's stopping you and what other things you, you want to achieve and, and how they can can support that goal? How can they be consistent with that, uh, that goal to spend more time with others? Spending time with our loved ones is really a priority for people around this time of the year and, and hopefully also at other times. Uh, uh, it, it's a big goal. Uh, we think about relationships as, as the goal. And also as supporting other goals, okay? So we are uh, in a relationship with our grandkids or, or kids or parents or, or, or whoever uh, because we, this is our goal, okay? We want to be them, but also because by being with them, we can achieve our other goals. We can do things with them, okay? Maybe we have another goal, which is to, to spend more time uh, uh, traveling and uh, just hiking, and we can do that with uh, the grandkids uh, maybe we have some uh, professional goals that we are going to pursue by forming close relationship to our colleagues, to, to people who help us with our professional goals. And so relationship, well, focus on that. They are important for your goals and they are often the goal in and in themselves. We're talking about achieving goals and embracing change to be able to do that. And we want to hear your stories as we talk with two guests. Have you made an intentional change in your life? What motivated it? What made it easier for you to stick with your goal? Are you someone who has found change to be very difficult? Do you need some advice on how to accomplish a goal? Give us a call on 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000. You can also call 800-242-2828 as we talk about uh, making a fresh start. What are your goals and what kind of change are you trying to create in your life? Let's take uh, another phone call. Uh, in Minneapolis, we have Mary on the phone. Good morning, Mary. 
Good morning, Angela. Thank you so much for having this show. I think that this is such an important topic, and I was so excited when I heard you were talking about this this morning. Oh, yeah. We're all working on ourselves, Mary. What are you doing? (laughs) Yes, being very intentional about everything, especially at the beginning of the new year. Mm -hmm. Well, my thought was, I'm so grateful for your guests. They've got so many great ideas. But the thing that came up for me when I was listening to you was we keep using um, the language that we use is so important. And we use these words like change and New Year's resolutions, breaking our New Year's resolutions or a workout plan for the year or whatever. It has a lot to do with, you know, not keeping the promises that we make to ourselves, right? And when I work with my own clients, I talk about versus changing versus reorienting. So I'm creating a course correction for myself. The fear that we use, we use this word a lot. If we look at the unknown and we see all of the fear and we're using that kind of verbiage, then why wouldn't there also be a lot of infinite possibilities? So what I'm saying is when we start shifting the language that we use ourselves, which is defining a pattern for ourselves, when we break up that pattern, when we change that thought, then we're changing our emotion, which means we're changing our action. So Mary, and give me I, an example, I, the change in language. What are better words? Give me an example of a, of a better way to approach or think about something we want to change. Oh, that's such a great question. So I used to be, so you asked us to share our personal stories. So here's my personal story. I was a, an avid smoker for years and years. I smoked mm-hmm. for over 20 years. Um, and I started changing my language in the terms of, I have to not want something more than I want it. And when I started wrapping my head around that, it got me thinking about why is it that I want this so much? What is it costing me and how, what am I gaining from continuing on with this pattern in my life? But I had to hit not only, it wasn't so much a rock bottom because rock bottom isn't necessarily where you start making the change. Rock bottom is whatever that shift is for you in the moment, that tectonic plate change in your own life. So, so when I started to not want something more than I wanted it, and I used that language, I began to shift my patterns. Mm-hmm. The, the, does that make sense? Mm-hmm, it does. Uh, that's Mary in Minneapolis. And, and, and I, I, let, uh, uh, Yella, I want to ask you more about this. You were talking about this earlier when we shift our mindset, when we start thinking about things, not so much, I'm going to avoid doing this. But think about, like, I'm choosing to do this thing. What am I choosing to gain rather than what I'm depriving myself of? That makes a big difference, that mindset. Is that what you mean? Uh, Yes, it does. And that uh, goes back to how you set your goal. And as it turns out, setting avoidance goals, while it creates a sense of urgency, okay, so when you hear that you should avoid let's say red meat, then it feels like you should start doing it immediately as opposed to maybe eat more vegetables, which sounds like something I can maybe start later this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when (laughs) avoidance goals are urgent, there is less stamina. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, there is less uh, uh, persistence. And there are a couple of problems with the avoidance goals. Uh, One big problem is that they tend to bring to mind the thing that you're trying to avoid, right? So you're you're trying to quit smoking. How do you know that you were not smoking? You ask yourself, well, like, have I, have I been doing this? And uh, uh, by that, you, you bring this uh, uh, to mind. And so we have a problem that we set goals that bring to mind the thing that we are trying to avoid. And the other problem is that we tend to react and psychological reactance is a big thing 
in particular if you are a younger person, in particular for teenagers, in particular if you are setting goals for others. Okay, so if you tell your uh, teenager or a, a child not to do something, you know that this is exactly the thing <laughs> that they want to do. <laughs> and so instead of telling them you should not eat that, tell them, well, you should eat the other eat, thing. Eat more like, of these things, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and actually, like what we found in research, even like don't say anything, just serve it, <laughs> just have it there uh, at the table. So uh, th- th- this is in a nutshell, uh, some of what's wrong with avoidance goal. We, we cannot completely eliminate them, but as much as we can, it, it's better to think about approaching. And uh, Sheree, you know, in the introdu- introduction, I talked about your work as a health and wellness coach. So what does a wellness coach do, Sheree? Yeah, we're uh, behavior change experts, specifically health behavior change experts, that help individuals uh, basically practice behavior change in a non-judgmental environment. And so how could you help someone? Can you give an example? Like what kind of, of work do you do with some of your clients? Yeah, well, I'm, I sound like a broken record, but definitely start with the mindset work, uh, the self-talk, the limiting beliefs. That's always a part of it. Mm-hmm. But when, it when it gets down to the nitty gritty, that, um, that social support, and I know I let you really hone this in in your book, that social support, that accountability, that help, um, we're a big piece of that. And then also it's, it's for making it more individualized. Behavior change is incredibly complex and everybody's life is so different, believe it or not. And the strategies that will work for you won't work for somebody else. So as health coaches, we can really make it an individualized process, which I think is key to change is making it work for you. And I, I know that you've had some personal challenges that, that you've experienced chronic back pain that had a huge impact on uh, many aspects of your life. How did that, um, what role did that play in, in, in forcing you to make some changes in your life, Cherie? Yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed with chronic pain 14 years ago. Uh, no mechanism of injury. It just appeared one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, what that what that forced me to do is really learn how... Um, we can do little things, tiny steps throughout our lives to actually make things better that will lead, can lead to big changes. So what I did is implemented some mindset change, some habit changes, but they're all very small. But what they did is they um, kind of accumulated over time where I got to the point where I was able to reduce the medication I was on. Mm. And you credit that to, to what, again, shifting the mindset? Yeah, shifting the mindset, but also, um, honestly, the two things I credit it to are these two strategies, getting rid of my all or nothing attitude. So, Mm -hmm. for example, if someone says they want to eat healthy and they plan to eat eggs every morning for breakfast, and one morning they have a donut and then they'll say, well, this day is a wash and just eat poorly the rest of the day, right? That Mm -hmm. all or nothing, Mm -hmm. getting rid of that is so key. You do not have to operate in that way. Just because you had a donut, you can still... Um, move throughout the day with still meeting, you know, a lot of your goals. And then adding pleasure to something I don't enjoy. So one of the things that helps me with my pain is walking, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And walking on a treadmill is awful. (laughs) And I'm an exercise (laughs) physiologist, and I'm saying that. Um, But I love Handmaid's Tale. Love, love, love that show. So I can't watch an episode unless I'm on my treadmill walking. And he wouldn't believe the amount of walking I did this year. (laughs) So adding pleasure to something that you, yeah, that that can help achieve the goal. 
Okay, back to the phone lines. In Minneapolis, we have Matea on the line. Good morning, Matea. And what did you want to add to the conversation? Good morning. Hi. Yeah, I work I work in a corporate environment and learning and development with adults. Um, so part of my job is to be a change influencer and to kind of create that excitement around change and why it's important. Um, so when we move to more modern and more progressive forms of technology and applications, uh, we need to upskill our employees and create training. Um, so getting people out of their comfort zone can be challenging. Um, so it's my job to kind of show why this change is important and how it will not only positively affect the company, but also be more efficient for them as well. Um, so it kind of goes back to that changing our mindset, um, putting, putting a positive spin on change where there might be resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important to create incentives to individuals, not just focus on why it's important for the company. That sounds like a hard job. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely can be. And so what do you want people to know? What do you tell your colleagues about change? Yeah, a lot of it has to do, um, like I said, just creating a more um, why this is important, um, being more progressive in the workplace. Um, Really, uh, when we are going in and changing some of the trainings, um, creating more diversity and inclusion, um, that is one of the biggest parts of my job is wanting to incorporate more of those things when these trainings might be you know, 10, 20 years old. Um, so going in and really addressing the need for that within this corporate environment. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. That's Matea. Um, Ayala, what do we know about change in the workplace? Um, you know, I, I think of people who maybe stay in jobs that they have outgrown or, or no longer enjoy, uh, probably because of fear of change. Uh, yes. And, you know, it, it just, uh, it, it's hard to um, to constantly adapt yourself. It, it, it's hard to constantly grow and, and, and people tend to uh, uh, go uh, uh, to, to their own habits. But what I, I really liked about uh, you know, th- th- this dilemma, this description is that it highlights that sometimes change is uncomfortable. And in a way, we need to embrace this discomfort. And and I want to emphasize that because I don't want people to to understand, like to take from our discussion here, the, the idea that uh, you just think about it in a different way, uh, you just make it fun, and, and everything is easy. Change is not easy. Uh, we uh, ran a study uh, a couple of years back where we encouraged people to feel uncomfortable when they were trying something new. Okay, and so we, we actually worked, this is with Caitlin Woolley now at Cornell. Uh, we worked with uh, the Second City Improvisation Club here uh, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we invited people who want to, to learn how to do improvisation. And we told them, you know, for your first class, how about you just get yourself to feel uncomfortable? They do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. So in the way we took this discomfort and we made it, the goal for the, the person that is engaging in the activity. Now, I think that in the long run, you do something because you enjoy it. Okay. And so, uh, they, if you continue doing improvisation, if that's your thing is because you, you really found that the immediate rewards there, but it takes time and the, the change is going to be uncomfortable in a way. Embracing the discomfort is often a, a good way to start after you embrace the discomfort. You're going to learn to like it. So just in, instead of thinking about it all the time, just say it, deal with it, and then you can move through it? Just almost like search for it. Okay, If you are doing an, a new exercise, you're going to walk on some muscle group that you're not used to, Okay, and it's going to, mm-hmm. to pain you. Okay, and, and that's good. Okay, That's a sign that 
that you are going. That's a sign that you are learning something new. And in a new education uh, program, like your first class learning anything is going to be confusing and you're going to feel a little bit lost. And if you don't feel it, that probably means that, the, that this is not working, okay, that you're not actually developing. So uh, look for it actively. And, and once you, you experience that, then you can go beyond that and start enjoying yourself, start enjoying the change. And Cherie, have you worked uh, with people who have experienced change in the workplace or want to have change in the workplace? And what are those conversations like? Yes, I have. Um, I actually used to oversee an L&D department at Western Governors <laughs> University, so I, I uh, sympathize with our caller. But um, one thing I think is very helpful is to really dig deep and question why you want the change. In particular, like I'm in health behavior change, right? So we, we kind of joke about whether it's an LGN goal, which means is it a look good naked goal? Is it really societal pressure why you want this change or is it something on a deeper level? And I think that applies in the workplace too, or wanting to find a new job. What's the real reason why you want the new job? Kind of dig deep and really discover how that aligns with your values. Mm. And uh, any strategies though to help people, uh, maybe people want to change jobs. So what is the best strategy um, so that you don't jump into a new situation that you're kind of carrying the same challenges with you? Yeah, I think one strategy is to take a, a small step, which is uh, every day look at Indeed.com, right? Just look and see what's <laughs> out there. Seriously, sometimes you'll find something that just excites you, and that could be the, the tiny little piece that gets you moving forward. But again, the first thing you said is just like, think about why you want the change. So maybe it isn't really the workplace, but maybe it's you. Right, right. Or maybe you just have a really not so great boss, right? So you don't really want to leave the organization. It's just working out some some deep issues with your boss and having those those really crucial conversations. All right, let's take more phone calls as we talk about change and achieving goals. Taking your calls at 651-227-6000. In South Bend, Indiana this morning, we have Dana on the line. Good morning, Dana. Good morning. Hi, what do you want to tell us? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I think, well, first of all, I've loved the conversation, and I really like this, um, the return to mindset. And that's what I tap into often and, and more as the years go by. Uh, the New Year's resolution thing, I'm so over it, like a lot of people are. <laughs> it's, you know, it's set up for failure. Oh, it's January 1st, et cetera. And, and, and I don't like it when people feel, people feel like they've failed. So, you know, you beat yourself up. That's not good. But I like to look at things more as a seasonal um, reflection. Uh, we're cyclical people. And just how do we use that January 1st on the calendar as a jumping off point for something different or new? And, and I've also found that routine is different than habit. And if people are trying to change habits, that's a diff- different thing than trying to, you know, readjust a routine. And finally, um, Back to the seasonal thing and the mindset of, I look at the January 1st, a time on the calendar, just like I do spring or the fall, or what will I look to, to change in this next season of my life? Or, um, and so then I, it's not this constant either or, or always, um, you know, mm-hmm. failing mm-hmm. at something, you know, just trying to follow through and listen to myself and reflect, as you were saying a moment ago, um, just reflecting on 
on this is not a, an end point. This is not, oh, in two weeks I'm going to have done this, or by March I my resolution list is gone. Right. <laughs> and just to really not be so hard on ourselves that way. And, and as everyone has been saying, uh, your guests and the callers, just have a ref- reflective uh, nature on your mindset yeah. and how that can can change and because it's continuum it's just right. going to keep going and change. January 1st will come next year yep and change is part of life um thank you that's Dana in South Bend Indiana uh, in Minneapolis Alan's on the phone hey Alan what do you want to tell us yeah I was just thinking about the goals that we set to and for me it was like I think back to when I first uh, started eating salads and you know I knew I needed to eat healthier I was eating a lot of junk food at the time and so I thought, well, I'll just go down and pick up, uh, you know, some of these pre-made salads. I tried a couple <laughs> of them, and okay, I didn't like that one, but I, this one's okay. And then I just slowly, incrementally, just a little bit at a time, just started thinking, well, maybe I can make my own make my own salads. And so I just started slowly doing that, and just focusing on the thing that you want to go towards, rather than worrying about, you know, the bad habits. It's like just focusing on the good stuff that you want to create in your life and just adding more and more of the good stuff in your life. And it was the same way for me with like with exercise. It was like, wasn't, wasn't into exercise that much, but then I went out and I just slowly start swimming, you know, a little bit. And cause I remember I was in my thirties at the time. I'm in my sixties now and swimming out to the, you know, the end of the swimming area, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I don't know if I can get back into the <laughs> back into the shallow water. But over time now, I'm this past summer, I was swimming three quarters of a mile regularly out in the lake. And it was just like finding things that you love to do and just doing stuff incrementally. Those are the things that I've always thought work well, well for me. I like that. Take it in steps. Alan, I just love the way that, that you say the word salad. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, so you've mastered making your own salad. So that's, that's better for you now. You have more of those yeah, in your I've, diet. <laughs> I've been making my own salads for years now. And uh, that's just become, now I'm a Mediterranean diet nut. You know? All right. I, love, I just love doing vegetables, fruits, and nuts. Thank you, uh, Alan. So, yeah. And, and, and Cherie, uh, Alan has a great story. Uh, is that advice that you give people is just uh, take small steps, not have this huge, like, overnight, I'm going to be different, but take it into ste- in steps. I feel like I should ask him <laughs> to guest lecture in my behavior change class. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome advice. I mean, it kind of shows you how behavior change really is intuitive a lot of the time. But I would just add to that, yeah, and take one change at a time. Mm-hmm. Don't do it all at once. Mm-hmm. And Ayelet, what did you think about uh, his story? What I took from Ellen's story is uh, how, how you uh, monitor progress toward a goal. And in uh, a way that, that you can look back or you can look ahead, right? You can look at what you have accomplished or you can look at what is still missing, the uh, half glass full or the half glass empty. And often looking back at the baby steps that you have made is a better strategy. And indeed, what we find in, in our studies is that when people are low on confidence, when they are novices, they just start on something. And if the goal has a, a clear endpoint, then half to the midpoint, looking back at what you've accomplished is a better way 
of monitoring progress and looking ahead at what is still missing. After the midpoint, when you are confident, uh, when you are the expert, then look ahead and, and say, well, I am that far from where I want to be. But at the beginning, just look back and see, well, I've gotten so far. Well, here's another scenario that I, I'd like to hear your advice on when we think about change. Um relationships. And so when we think about people who maybe stay in relationships, even though they know they're not healthy, uh, or people who keep the same friends, even though they've grown apart, and they have changed in different ways. What is that about? Is that again, fear of change? Or what advice do you have for people who are, are struggling with relationships and see that there is a need for change? Cherie? Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That is rough. Um, honestly, when it's at that deeper level of relationships, so I think you're asking something that's a lot deeper than surface level. I, you're looking at um, potentially issues related to therapy and psychology, which is, uh, I maintain my mm-hmm. scope of practice at all times. So I would be, as a health coach, be really careful diving into that too much because there's issues of attachment. There's all sorts of like mental health issues that can be going on if it's really, you know, uh, staying in a relationship that's really bad for you. Right. So I'm not touching that with the 10th okay. <laughs> But I, we know that, that some people, you yeah. know, we talk about embracing change and, and being resistant to yeah. change. Some people, you know, well, it's what I know. So sometimes they stay in situations that are not good for them sure. because they don't want change. Yeah. Have you found that, Ayala? Yes. Yes. So your relationships need to support your goals. And uh, sometimes the way to keep a relationship that is is not where you want it to be is by finding ways uh, in which your relationship partner, uh, which does not need to be your romantic uh, relationship partner, it can also be a, a friend, uh, can support your goals. Okay, How uh, they are useful for you, how can you be useful for them? Okay, It, it has to go both ways. The relationship has no chance if I am no longer instrumental on some level for for your goals or if you are no longer instrumental on some level for for my goals what connects us together is our motivation system okay the idea that we are doing things together that we are helping uh, each other And, and so once you realize that, then you can uh, either drop relationships that are no longer helping you in in your life or uh, if these relationships are important, if they are goal in, in themselves, then find something in which this person can be uh, helpful. And, and that may sound abstract, but to make it more concrete, like, you know, we started with the, the granddad. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like if you want to keep grandparents in your kids' lives, then you need to give them a job. Okay, they they need to be helpful. Okay, it's not just about getting together for the sake of getting together. Like maybe they can babysit your your kids. Maybe they can take them on on some uh, trips. Maybe they can teach them something that they know. Uh, they 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 need to be helpful. Okay, in, in the same way that your kids need to be helpful for them. Maybe they mm. can take them places. And Sharit, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about change is that, you know, I strongly believe that, you know, we all need to be trying to, to be the best versions of ourselves, because collectively, if, if, you know, as a group, if we're all the best versions of ourselves, we can see some of the societal changes that we want to see. And do you find that to be true? I mean, like, that's how we make big changes in, in the world that we live in, is if individually, we are the best versions of ourselves. 
Yeah, absolutely. Man, if we could all raise our consciousness in that way, you can't imagine what this world would look like. But what's what's even more profound is when you do make those big changes to watch it trickle down to other people, your friends, your family. One of the greatest uh, changes we can make in like adult learners is when they go back to college. And I don't, the statistics really high that it's like over 70% more likely than that your children will go to college, Mm -hmm. right? That trickle down is just incredible. All right. Well, as we think about the new year and making a fresh start, we can think about changing and and, and ways that we can, um, you know, embrace change. That's a good thing. I want to thank our guest today. Our time is up. We've been talking with Ayelet Fishbach, a professor of behavioral science and marketing at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. She's the author of Get It Done, Surprising Lessons from the Science of Motivation. And Cherie Crow, a wellness coach and director of the Integrative Health and Wellbeing Coaching Program at the University of Minnesota's Center for Spirituality and Healing. Today's conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.